how should we enter God's presence? Well, that's one of the many things that we'll learn as our study of the magnificent Old Testament book of Psalms continues on through the Bible. I'm Steve Schwetz, inviting you to hop aboard the Bible bus and find your seat. And while you do that, let's rejoice in a couple recent letters from our fellow passengers. First is an email from Rebecca. She writes, I've been on the Bible bus for seven years. When God graciously saved me eight years ago, I began to read his word daily. Even though I had been taught by a godly mother and grandmother, I found I needed to dig deeper into God's word. The daily studies were very helpful, and I listened to multiple studies a day. I completed the five-year study in less than three years and have repeated several books. I'm now on the Bible bus following with you daily. I'm also on the World Prayer Team and am much blessed by the daily emails. I make a monthly donation for gas to keep the word going out. I would much like to get others to join me on the Bible bus. Well, it's certainly great to have you aboard, Rebecca. Good job getting through the Bible instead of in five years and three and continuing with us. Next, we got Sean, who shares this. I was an incorrigible drunk from the age of 11 years until I turned 47. Then in the hospital, I met some sober men and women who showed me a new way of life. They gave me a book from AA and suggested that I look to a priest, minister, or rabbi for help. Feigning ignorance, I told my sponsor that I did not know a priest, minister, or rabbi. My sponsor replied, Gee, Sean, it must be really hard to imagine just what book a minister would suggest for spiritual growth. So I got a King James Bible and started reading. At the same time, I started listening to a Christian radio station that broadcasted Dr. McGee every day at noon. That was 17 years ago, and I've kept my seat right behind the driver warm ever since. Shortly after beginning my first five-year journey, I gave my complete confession, my will, and my life to our Lord. I begged Jesus for intercession, forgiveness, and an entry line in the Lamb's Book of Life. The Holy Spirit filled me so much that I cried for days in understanding of my sinfulness with relief, gratitude, and joy. Today, I still often cry the same. In a short letter, I cannot document all the wonderful gifts, missions, adventures, and miracles that God has filled my life with. But, for example, I have traveled over 10,000 miles on my bicycle throughout the U.S. and have been invited to share my love, sobriety, and salvation through Jesus at scores of churches, meetings, jails, hospitals, and with lonely, lost drunks on the road. I love Dr. McGee saying, God, please fill my mouth with wonderful stuff and nudge me hard when I've said enough. Well, that's great advice. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for sharing your story. Well, how's God changing you through our time in his word? Is there maybe a book study that's been particularly meaningful in your spiritual journey? You know, we'd love to hear about it. You can email your story to BibleBus at ttb.org, or you can mail your note to Box 7100, Pasadena, California, 91109. In Canada, Box 25325, London, Ontario, N6C, 6B1. Let's pray together now. Father, thank you for your word that confronts us with the truth of our weakness and reminds us that your strength is available to those who call upon your name. As we study, Lord, help us to realize just the depth and breadth of your glory and then be grateful for your presence in our own lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now let's set out for Psalm 100 through 102 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now, friends, as we come today to Psalm 100, we're coming to the grand finale of that very wonderful little cluster of psalms that began with Psalm 94, and it closes with this. And this is the section in which we have seen the Lord Jesus Christ as King. Jehovah is King. Just let me drop back, pick out the first verses. 
of these psalms. That is, several of them. 93rd Psalm, the Lord reigneth. He's clothed with majesty. That speaks of the time that he'll come again to this earth. He didn't come that way before. He came as George MacDonald put it. He came a little baby thing that made a woman cry. But he's coming next time, we're told here, clothed with majesty. And then Psalm 94, O Lord God, to whom vengeance belongeth. And he's coming to make things right on this earth. And he can do it as you and I couldn't do it. We would be vindictive. And he won't reign that way. He will vindicate, but not be vindictive. And then in Psalm 95, Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. My, it's wonderful. And Psalm 96 said, Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. And then here in Psalm 97, The Lord reigneth. And again in 98, O sing unto the Lord a new song. And then 99, the Lord reigneth, let the people tremble. Now we come to the great doxology. This is the hallelujah chorus here at the end. And it's the glorious finale of this very precious cluster of psalms. Listen to it. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All ye lands, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. And again, I'd like to emphasize that which we repeat every now and then. And that is, God doesn't want you to come before him to worship with a long face. Now, there are times when we've got a long face. Sorrows come to us. Problems beset us. Temptations have overcome us. Now we come to God, but we come to God in repentance, asking for forgiveness and casting ourselves upon him. That's not worship. Now, you worship God when you come to praise him, and he wants you to be happy. A lot of these bar rooms and motels that we get in, they have in the afternoon what they call a happy hour. Well, I wish we had a happy hour in the church without the liquid, and we need a happy hour on this program. Let's tune up for it. Get ready for it, because we want to worship God. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, O ye lands. That includes everybody. This is a universal praise, by the way. And this is the time when the world will be able to sing, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Now, that didn't take place 1,900 years ago. And by the way, that song was not written as a Christmas song relative to his first coming. That song should be reserved till he comes again. And I'm waiting to sing it at that time because I can't sing now. So I'll sing it then. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. And that's what this is. What a wonderful thing it is. And it says, serve the Lord with gladness, come before his presence with singing. And it's a wonderful psalm of praise. Praise to him. Worship him. Glorify him. There's not enough of that today. May I venture this criticism? And it is that. You know, we retired preachers, we become experts. We can tell 
all the young ones how to do it, and the people in the church how to do it. And so I'm going to tell them how to do it now. I believe that today, if there's one criticism I'd want to make my ministry, I didn't have enough praise in the service. We ought to praise God, worship God. We ought to get gloriously joyful in His presence. Now, this great psalm is just like a doxology. And I think there are many doxologies in the Word of God, but the true believers today, I think, could turn, for instance, to the first chapter of the Ephesian epistle, and we could sing this one. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. He's been good to us, given us all spiritual blessings. Some of us are not availing ourselves of them. We're keeping them on cold storage, and we're keeping it for a rainy day. Well, it's a rainy day today. I don't care how bright the sun is shining. Get out this blessing and start using it. And here's another one in the first chapter of Revelation. Under him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. My I don't know about you, that just carries me into the clouds. Now the whole earth is called upon to shout aloud their praises unto Jehovah and to sing the mighty hallelujah chorus, because in that day the world will know him. And in this third verse here, we have something I think quite interesting. We have here a homogenizing of God as the Creator, and is the Redeemer. Listen to this. It's a lovely thing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. And there are a lot of people don't know that. And a lot of Christians don't. In the early church, you remember when that first persecution broke out? The apostles came back and reported to the early church there in Jerusalem. They went to God in prayer, and they began by saying, O Lord, Thou art God. Somebody says, well, that's easy to say. It's easy to say, but do you really believe it today? There are a lot of Christians that are acting like God's not there. They're not acting like, Lord, thou art God. And that's what this says here. He is God. Don't you know that the Lord's God? It is he who hath made us and not we ourselves. That's God, the creator. We ought to worship him because he is the creator. He made this universe. We're going to come to a nature psalm, a creation psalm, Maybe not today, but next time. I want to talk to you about that in particular. But now notice, not only we worship him as creator, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. How did you become a sheep? Because you're redeemed. Here's a case where the shepherd died for the sheep. Sheep didn't die for this shepherd, but the shepherd died for the sheep, and we are the sheep of his pasture. Now, wait just a moment. What sheep is he talking about here? The sheep he's talking about here is Israel. He's their shepherd, too. And you remember, he told them from their viewpoint, he says, other sheep I have, which they're not of this flock here. They don't belong to this one. I belong to that, and you belong to that if you're in the church. Listen to this. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, to his courts with praise. 
Now, that's the way he wants you to come into his presence. Someone said to me the other day that attended a great church. It's been a great church in the past. And they said, I've never been in a place where it was so dead. And you know what the problem was? People weren't coming in there with praise. And they didn't come in there to be thankful. They didn't enter his gates with thanksgiving, and they didn't come into his courts with praise. Now, if you go into church on Sunday and worship, make sure, my friend, that you go there with thanksgiving and praise. And if you don't have a little of that, you're not going to be very helpful to the church. For the Lord is good. Can we say that today? I don't know where you are, who you are, why you are, when you are, but I know this, that God is good. God is good, and he's good to you. He's good to me. Oh, how good he is. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. Didn't run out of it. And many of you, I guess, because he extended so much on me, thought he ran out of mercy. He didn't. He's got a lot left for you today. His mercy is everlasting. It's like that flower barrel of that widow where Elijah was that just never ran out. And his truth endureth to all generations. My, this is a great psalm. Now, when we come to Psalm 101, we've come to a Davidic psalm. David wrote this one. We haven't had many of them recently that he wrote. But now we have another marvelous arrangement of another little nest of psalms from Psalm 101 to Psalm 106. And guess who is the subject of the hymn book? Well, it's all about him again, the Lord Jesus Christ, who's the king of righteousness and peace, and he's going to reign on this earth. And this is a psalm that speaks of mercy and of judgment. And this is a psalm of David that actually couldn't be fitted into his reign at all. So it's prophetic, and it looks on to the man that God told David about that was coming in his line. David said, he told me about the man that's coming in my line. And this is all about him not Solomon, not any in that Davidic line until Jesus was born in Bethlehem because he was the house and lineage of David. Both Joseph and Mary were. And this is the man we're talking about. And notice here in Psalm 101, we're going to start out again singing praises to God. I will sing of mercy and justice. Now, those two don't get along together very much today. Mercy and justice, it's difficult for man to hold him in balance, but God can. And we can sing of mercy and justice unto thee, O Lord, will I sing? And here he is, the king of righteousness, and he's the king of peace. What a wonderful one we have here. He says, I'll behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? I'll walk within my house with a perfect heart. And I don't remember ever David walking like that. We have him here as the Redeemer and the only begotten of the Father. That's the picture that we have of him here. And let's look at him here for just a moment. The king speaks as the Son of Man. And you notice that he is here, the Son of Man on the earth. And it must be remembered that in his work as a Redeemer, 
he was the only begotten of the Father, but he takes his place under God subject to his will. Now, he occupied a lower place, but he took that willingly. We today attempt to get to a higher place. He took a lower place in order that he might bring us to a higher place. And before his incarnation, he said, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. And on this earth, he stated that actually his meat and drink was to do the will of the Father that had sent him. And he did perfectly his will. And he patiently waited for that hour, which he called my hour, when he wrought out your salvation and mine. Now, he's yonder at God's right hand, and he's still doing the will of God. He's waiting for the hour when the Father will send him into the world again, because he says, "'Sit thou on my right hand, till I make thy enemies thy footstool.'" Now, we are told, "'When all things shall be subdued under him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him.'" that God may be all in all. And that's a verse in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 28. It's caused a great deal of discussion. What does it mean? It means that after he reigns on this earth, subject to the Father, he's going back to his place in the Godhead, a member of the Trinity. But down here he will reign like that. And he says here, "'I'll declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church.'" Will I sing praises unto thee. Now, this is the position that he took down here. But notice when he's going to reign, how he's going to reign. And David never reigned like this. A perverse heart shall depart from me. An evil person I will not recognize. Whosoever slandereth his neighbor, I will destroy. I'll begin reading at verse 4. Him with a lofty look and proud heart I'll not suffer that they may dwell with me, he that walketh in a perfect way. He shall serve me. He that is given to deceit shall not dwell within my house. He that speaketh lies shall not be established in my sight. Morning after morning will I destroy all the wicked of the land, that I may cut off all workers of iniquity from the city of Jehovah. And that is a picture of his reign here on this earth. And during the millennium, you're not going to be able to take your case to the Supreme Court, my friend, for the very simple reason he is the Supreme Court. He's all of it. He's going to judge. The Father says he's turned all judgment over to the Son, and he'll judge them every morning. And you're going to have to toe the line. You talk about a dictator. Jesus Christ will be a dictator when he reigns on this earth and you'll do his will. Now we come to Psalm 102nd, and it's a very wonderful psalm also. And it's a messianic psalm. And it's a psalm that pictures him in Gethsemane. Now, we do not have a writer of it. There's been all kinds of guesses as a result. Well, I'll guess David, if you don't mind. And it's a prayer of the afflicted when he's overwhelmed and pours out his complaint before the Lord. This is Gethsemane. Our Lord's in Gethsemane in this psalm, and we see him afflicted. We see him in his humiliation. 
and the Psalms been marked out by the Holy Spirit in the New Testament as being a Messianic Psalm. And we'll find that down just a little later. Now, we have here, Jehovah, hear my prayer. This is interesting. Here is a case where Jehovah prays to Jehovah. He came in humiliation, yet he was Jehovah manifested in the flesh. And you remember back over in Genesis, the 19th chapter, we find there a very remarkable statement. Maybe I ought to turn to that. I didn't intend to because I think it's important enough for us to see today. It's in Genesis, the 19th chapter. And if you want to turn there with me, 19 verse 24, Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire, from the Lord out of heaven. Now, he did that according to what? According to the prayer. That was judgment. But this is different. Now Jehovah's on earth, and he asked Jehovah in heaven not to bring down judgment, but here in humiliation, facing his great work as the sin-bearer, the fellow of Jehovah that's able to save him out of death, and the prayers and supplications that he made with strong crying and tears, writer to the Hebrew speaks of, and he was heard. But we find that here, the wrath of a holy and righteous God fell upon him because he bore your sins and my sins. What a glorious, wonderful psalm that we have here. And now we come down in verse 8, and you just don't get any farther down in here. This is the deepest woe and agony that you can have. Mine enemies reproach me all the day. And verse 10, because of thine indignation and thy wrath, for thou hast lifted me up and cast me down. And the word indignation and wrath here are the strongest terms you could use in the Hebrew language. But why did he do this? It was for the joy that was set before him. Listen to him. Verse 12, But thou, O Lord, shall endure forever thy remembrance unto all generations. Thou shalt arise and have mercy upon Zion, for the time to favor her, yet the set time is come. He'll have mercy upon Zion. And so it was for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame. He died, you see, for that nation. And John eleven fifty one mentions that was necessary for one to die for the nation. And he died for that nation. Now we have the reference, and I must drop down to it here. And he's going to build again, he says in verse 16, build up Zion, and he'll appear in his glory. And that's when he comes again. But here you have the quotation in the New Testament, and it's in Hebrews 1, 10 and 12. And you have here, Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands, they shall perish but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall become old like a garment, like a vesture. Shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. Now, this is a very marvelous, wonderful psalm. And it wouldn't been known that this was a messianic psalm if it hadn't pleased the author of the Bible, 
the Holy Spirit to reveal the meaning of this passage. For it's quoted in the closing verses of the first chapter of the epistle to the Hebrews. And there it's applied to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it brings before us here Gethsemane. And I like to think of this being the psalm of Gethsemane. Oh, this is all about him. Our time is up until next time. May God richly bless you, my beloved. It's true, these psalms are all about Him, our Lord Jesus Christ. You can learn more about Him at ttb.org when you click on How Can I Know God? Or call 1-800-65-BIBLE and we'll send a few free resources by mail. And if you're looking for a resource to help you go deeper in your own personal study of God's Word, well, we've got that for you as well. Just call us. 1-800-65-BIBLE, or check out all that we offer at ttb.org forward slash resources. Now, a couple that I suggest are the new Bible companion for Psalms. I love every one of these, and Psalms is no exception. And then Dr. McGee's booklet titled The Message of the Silent Years. They're both available for free download at ttb.org. Next time we come to Psalms 103 through 106, so join me in reading ahead to prepare for our study. I'm Steve Schwetz. And I'll meet you back here next time. Jesus made it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as Our journey on the Bible bus today is supported by the prayers and gifts of fellow passengers as we travel through the Bible.